This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only nationally syndicated golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by Acura. Launch into performance with the all-new 2019 lineup. Visit acura.ca for all models and dealer incentives. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada Open Championship Preview Special. Right here on TSN Radio, Mark Zacchino with you along with Bob Weeks, Adam Scully, as we take a look at the year's final major. And it's been an interesting schedule, guys, just to get to this point. it's It's been a bit of a blur. First time the PGA was the second major of the year. We'll take a look back on the major championships in this preview special. Uh, but, Bob, a very different major season. I th- like it, it was a bit, I don't know if it was, I want to call it, I don't, bizarre it was just weird to have the pga all of a sudden in may the pga to me felt like a u.s open it uh it was very strange it's been a cold year for the majors for the most part cool year anyway for sure and they're going to extend this week i think at port rush but um yeah the schedule change took a little bit of getting used to and i'm still not sure i'm quite used to the fact that once we get through the open championship here in the middle of july we're we're done for the year the four majors have been handed out which Mm -hmm. is an interesting scenario that we haven't seen for a long time obviously but um, it's been a, an interesting year a good year and a uh, and a different year for sure certainly a different year and it, this might be a very different open championship and the reason I say that Scully 68 years since the open championship has been in Northern Ireland Royal Portrush the venue only a handful of players and the odd caddy with any experience on this property I'm excited to see it in Northern Ireland. Uh, I love this golf course. I know you love this golf course mm-hmm. and this part of the world to, to play golf. Uh, and here we are for uh, what is a renovated Royal Port Rush. We're going to see a couple of holes that we've never seen before. And uh, if, even for players and people that have been there and enjoyed this property, it's going to look a little different. It's going to look a little different for sure. And, you know, some are saying it is similar to La Hinch in some ways to what hosted the Irish Open uh, just recently, um, you know, but it's a golf course. It's it's a true links course, but it brings many options off the tee. Whether you want to, you know, pull a tiger at, at Hoy Lake back in 2006 and just play irons and rely on your long iron game, or if you want to play more of a modern game, hit drivers and have shorter clubs, and you have both of those options. You're just taking on more risk, uh, pot bunkers, that sort of thing. So um, it, it's going to be weather is going to be a big dependent uh, on what's on how the tournament's going to be played, as many Open Championships are, and uh, early indications of the forecast, something in, in the mid to, to late teens Celsius. Um, and, you know, in Ireland, it, it can rain <laughs> snap of your fingers. So uh, I, I'm really curious to see what goes on here. And that is a great segue, because that leads me to my next point here. And on today's show, we will get into a lot. We will recap the previous majors of the year. Uh, we will do an open championship draft here. We will pick our open championship team. We'll also take a look at a historic look at winners, weird and what, uh, in terms of open history, three dub coming at you on this show as well. But Scully Bob talks about Mother Nature, and mm-hmm. there is not a golf tournament on the planet where Mother Nature has a greater hand and maybe luck as well involved in a major than the Open Championship. And right now, as we sit here and record this Open Championship preview special, the current odds look like this. Brooks Kepka 8-1, to one, Rory McIlroy 8-1. to one. Those are the co-favorites. Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods at 14-1, to one, and then a host of players at 20 and 25-1. to one. I think we're in 
for a Ben Curtis year, a Todd Hamilton year. I see something coming off the board. With all due respect to the best players in the world, no one seems to be playing any golf right now. I can't figure out who the actual favorite is. Right now, if you had to put a dart on the board, who's the favorite and why? Well, for me, for sure, it's it's Rory. And I think there's a number of different reasons. I think, first off, the obvious one, which is that the guy is... has played this golf course mm-hmm. a thousand times. He has the course record there, which he set when he was 16, <laughs> uh, 61 years old. And, you know, he hasn't played a lot lately, but if you look at his performances throughout this season, he wanted to get a lot more consistent. He wanted to play uh, at a higher level more often. And so here's, here, since the Century Tournament of Champions, which he played this year, tied for fourth, tied for fifth, tied for fourth, second, tied for sixth, win, tied for ninth, tied for 21st, tied for eighth, tied for eighth, miscut, win, RBC Canadian Open, tied for ninth at the U.S. Open. So to me, it's, it's just been a really steady, um, solid performance, solid year for him. And even though Brooks Kepka has played outstanding as well, uh, you know, runner-up at the Masters, winner at the, at the PGA, I, I just think Rory's the guy. Absolutely, yeah. In terms of consistency, it's hard to argue with those numbers and certainly familiarity uh, with the property. He's going to have a mm-hmm. huge home crowd favorite. You wonder if that turns into pressure at any point. Uh, but hard, hard to argue in terms of consistency. Then again, Scully, the guy who he sits on top of this odds board with an 8-1, to one, when you talk about consistency over the last two years in major championship golf, you cannot argue with the record of Brooks Kepka And the man on his bag, Ricky Elliott, grew up on this golf course. So you can see why Vegas has these two guys at 8-1. to one. Oh, 100%. And, you know, going into this betting-wise, th- this really is a two horse race and you know you look at Brooks Kepka's last nine major championship starts four wins uh, two runner-up finishes pretty crazy to think and we'll get into this later in the show is you know looking at the U.S. Open how he sort of came into that tournament really with not much form he hadn't touched the club after the PGA Championship until t- the Tuesday of RBC Canadian Open Week, and he looked absolutely lost at Hamilton. Goes to the U.S. Open finishes second you know uh, pr- pretty wild to see that and one thing I'm curious as well in this day and age of guys not really playing practice rounds, you know, guys playing nine-hole practice rounds on a course with such an unknown that is Port Rush, do you think we're going to see more practice rounds played here? Are we going to see, you know, longer practice rounds? Are we going to see guys coming in, come in earlier and play, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday sort of thing and then play nine-hole practice rounds during the week? I think that could be an interesting thing to keep our eyes on. I think you're going to have to see that, especially with guys. And before we go to break, we only have about a minute left, but uh, – Tiger Woods speaks to directly, and that's where I was going next. He's at 14-1, to and I don't know how you even build a case for Tiger Woods at 14-1. to I know he's the Masters champion. We've barely seen him since winning a green jacket. I think a lot of people are going to be taking that Tiger approach when it comes to practice around and learning this property because it's so foreign to what you suggested. But, Bob, how do you make Tiger 14-1 to right now? You know, it's just, to me, he is such an enigma right now because, he's, as you say, you just don't know. We saw him sort of with the achy back in the cool weather at uh, Pebble Beach. That's kind of what's going to happen here. So that's the same sort of idea. I'm just kind of – I just don't have a lot of faith that Tiger's going to be able to play at the level we saw him play at the Masters on this kind of a golf course in these conditions. Scully, only about uh, 30 seconds left. Is Tiger top 20 at the Open? Uh I think he's going to make the cut, but one thing with Tiger is the strategy he implements. He, all, he often plays very conservatively at, at these Open Championships. We saw, you know, last year he was even par through two rounds, shoots 
you know, 66 in round three and vaults himself into contention. I'm curious what sort of strategy he implements, uh, and we'll see how much rust, you know, that, that first round is going to be crucial for him. If he shoots two or three over par, it's over pretty quickly. Seems to be the theme with Tiger Woods, and the reason it's the theme with Tiger Woods at all golf tournaments, including majors, is that he typically comes to the event looking for his game on a Thursday. So if you want to know why that I'm constantly stressing, if he gets out to a good start on Thursday, he'll be part of the story on Sunday. It's typically is because he comes to a golf course not knowing what he has. I hate to use the word, but unprepared is probably the right word. On the other side, we're going to draft. We're going to draft our team. We'll get to the details, what, how the draft works and why, and we'll jump into it next. This is our Golf Talk Canada preview special for the Open right here on GTC. This segment of GTC was brought to you by Acura. Launch into performance with the all-new 2019 lineup. Visit Acura.ca for all models and dealer incentives. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade and the speed-injected Twistface M5 and M6 drivers. Everybody gets faster in 2019. Visit TaylorMade.ca for more information or to book your custom fitting today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our Open Championship Preview Special. And it's time to pull our, U, or excuse me, our British Open Open Championship Draft. And how it works is this. Everyone around the table, Weeksy, Scully, Zacchino, we're going to pick an American, a Euro, an international, a wild card, and a past champion. Those will be the five players. Do we want to throw any rules in here, guys? Like uh, four guys got to make the cut, Ooh. relation to par. How's this going to work? I think I think what we do is your uh, you take your players. This is what we usually do right. on the TSN. On uh, our masters. On and any of you guys who miss the cut, they're scored doubles. They're oh. scored doubles. So if they're 10 over par when they miss the cut, they get become 20 over. I like it. So wow. total score in relation to par. If they yeah. miss the cut, you get double the damage. All right. Here we go. We're going to start with the opening round. It's going to go Scully, Weeksy, Zacchino in terms of the order. Adam, who is your opening pick and what category? Well, I, I'm going to go to our past champions here, and I'm going right to uh, someone that Mr. Weeks spoke very highly about uh, in segment one, and that is Rory McIlroy. He is the first overall pick in the 2019 Open Championship draft. Surprise, surprise. Um, you know, it's the one thing I am, he has this great form, obviously, but coming into this tournament, I'm really curious on, on how, the, how he's going to deal with the pressure. You know, he's, he's been thinking about this tournament at playing at home, since it was announced, it's going to be there. So I'm curious if it might be too much for him, but uh, he's he's one of the betting favorites, and he's my guy, number one. Rory goes first overall in pass champion category. Weeksy to you. I'm staying in the same category, staying in that pass champion category. I'm going to go down a little bit. Ooh. But a guy who's had some good success recently, I'm going with Louis Oosthuizen. Oh, Ooh. yeah. I think that's a great pick. I think Louis uh, had a good, solid, quiet year. I think that people are not necessarily paying as much attention to as they should. And I think that's a great pick. Okay, uh, to Zacchino for back-to-back picks. I'll take Brooks Kepka as my American in the first round. And I will take the Azuri, Francesco Molinari, in the past champions category. I think Molinari's had a bit of a rough year. 
I think Molinari is ready to come back from the disappointment to, of Augusta. I think the scars of the back nine at Augusta, he carried for quite some time. He should have won that green jacket. He did not. I think Molinari is ready to get his name back near the top of a leaderboard on a Sunday. So Kepka, my American. Molinari, my past champion. Bob, back to you. All right. Well, I am going to go into the, um, into the U.S. category. Ooh. And my pick is going to be a guy who's had a, uh, an interesting year, let's just say. <laughs> I think he's had a good year. He's won, obviously. He's at, uh, won a couple times worldwide. It is number two, two in the world, Dustin Johnson, oh. who um, tied for 35th at the U.S. Open. He was second at the PGA Championship, and he was tied for second at the Masters. So he's had a pretty solid major championship season, except for that U.S. Open. And, you know, he's still playing pretty well, but I think we expected a little bit more of him. It's a different standard for DJ. It is. It's a compliment. Now, he's come close before. I remember at St. George's when he hit that one. Watched it the other night, 2011. (laughs) So he does know how to play around Lynx Golf Course, and I think he's going to be a little bit more inspired knowing that this is the last major of the year and he's come close but not won one yet. There you go. Dustin Johnson for weeks. He is second pick in the American category. Scully, to you for your second and third pick. Well, this is uh, I'm going with a guy, first of all, here who I, I mentioned on last week's show and someone who I think uh, is due to break out and, and finally get that first major. And that is the man with some of the best hair in golf. And that's Tommy Fleetwood <laughs> as, as my European. Uh, he is going to let those luscious locks go. No, he's um, he's had some good. Uh, his career is pretty, pretty solid in majors. Uh, T12 is his best finish at the Open. Uh, two top fours, the U.S. Open. Um, you know, he just hits the ball so solid, and I, I really like him uh, to, uh, to contend and, and do well here at the Open. Um, as for my American, this is a player I, I've been high on um, to contend, and, and he was uh, one of the runner-ups at the Masters, and that's Xander Shoffley. Ooh, he like is my pick. American pick. Uh, I, I, like how, I like his chances coming up. Love it. So you go Tommy Fleetwood in the Euro, Shoffley as the American and over to Weeksy for his third round pick. I'm going f- to use up my Euro pick on this one, mm-hmm. and uh, Euro Tour pick that is. And uh, <laughs> this is a guy. This is a guy who we saw for the first time, really, on the world stage at an Open Championship as a teenager, uh, almost yes. making it, uh, almost making a history. But uh, he didn't. But he went on from there to a pro career, and now he's in the top three in the world. And that is Justin. Rose, and I think he's due for a win. Boy, he's he's come close a few times. I think that is a great pick. Uh, I had him pegged here. I was going to go there next ha! for. Well, and, I knew that. Yes. W- one thing with Rose, and for years, he was always on the wrong side of the draw. You know, weather-wise at the Open, and so a lot of years. Uh, a lot of years. So and the draw is such a huge factor whether you get you know whether the side of the draw you get. So, uh, but he's a great pick for sure. I think that is a fantastic pick. I'm going to go a little bit now off the board here. Ooh. I'm going to start uh, going with some guys that maybe aren't on the tip of anyone's tongue for John my Daly. third and fourth pick. Sorry, was John that? Daly? Constantino <laughs> Roca. <laughs> Do we Tom know if Lehman. Daly? I don't think we know if Daly's allowed to use a cart yet. Ooh. That could change my uh, could change my pick. Mm. Could also change the next ninety minutes of this show. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with my Euro pick and someone who has a tremendous record in the Open Championship, never won. Someone who's been lost in the wilderness so far this year, but showed some signs of life at. Uh, Valderrama oh, I last know you're week, going with this. and I'm going with my doppelganger. Wow. I'm going and my Euro category off the 
aboard I Sergio Garcia, <laughs> I think is going to have a good open championship. This tournament is really important to Sergio. I think it's time for him to start caring about golf again, which I don't think he has for quite some time. I think he showed us again that like he has a little bit of game left there at, at the at the uh, at his uh, Spanish Masters, and I'm going to go with Sergio Garcia <laughs> as my European. So who do I got? I got an American. I got a past champion. I got a European. Okay, I'm going to go with a guy who is very angry at himself. Did not has not played well as of late, guys. Not played well as of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I go here? Uh oh. Uh oh. You going to phone a friend or you know? Are you going with Al Balding? I'm going to go off the – forget that. Off I'm, the I'm, making a, I'm making a detour. I'm going to go with a guy who's played great this ben year Chris. and hasn't really got it done yet. As my international, I'm going to take Adam Scott. Oh. Ooh, that was one on my list. Adam Scott yeah. as my international. I only have my wild card left. I've got Brooks Kepka, Francesco Mulanari, Sergio Garcia, and Adam Scott. I have my wild card pick left. Weeksy to you for your fourth round. Now – I've got to get a rules clarification. Mm. Slugger White here. Okay, is an international player someone who is just not an American? Is that what we're sort of not saying? American, not European? Okay, my international player is going to be Adam Hadwin. Yeah, very nice. That qualifies as an international. We know what kind of golf he's been playing lately. Yes, he's been doing really some really special things. Qualified for this tournament by a great finish at the RBC Canadian Open, yep. and I just love uh, the way he's putting right now. So. Uh, I know that last year he told me that he's learning to love the links. So oh, I'm that, and that's lo- important. I'm, I'm hoping he loves it a lot. That is huge because we know what happened to players like Phil Mickelson when they decided to stop fighting links and fall exactly. in love with it. Mm-hmm. Look what happened to Mickelson's career on the Open Championship. Look at this. Look at Mickelson's first twelve uh, Open Championship starts versus versus Seca. It's night and day. Scully, to you. Okay, so to me, this is your fourth and fifth. Fourth round. and fifth. So I have two guys here, and I almost, I almost had my dream team here. Just want to let you guys really let you guys know. Um, Means for, you're really wrong, or Bob and I are really yes, right. Yes. <laughs> so I'm first gonna go to my wild card pick, um, and uh, this is a guy who's had uh, some interesting headlines uh, off the golf course this year. He's won twice on the PGA Tour this year, been either a top or near the top of the FedEx Cup standings all year, and that is Matt. Kuchar. Ooh, oh. good, good wild card pick. So he is going there. Of course, he had that duel with Jordan Spieth mm-hmm. uh, just a couple of years ago and came up a couple uh, shots short. But uh, this is a golf course, like I mentioned in the previous segment, where really any kind of golfer can contend. And, and he's someone who plots along. He's very patient. Um, and and his, his putting has been pretty solid. And you're going to need that at Royal Port Rush with a lot of lag putting and slower greens as well because uh, of the windy conditions. Uh, and my my international pick, with my only pick remaining, I was looking at another Aussie, but I I've had a late switch here, and this is uh, Jason Day, who yes. is. I was um, very close to picking him as my international. I'm curious to see uh, how his relationship with uh, Steve Williams here, his new his new caddy, is evolving. Um, a couple times, Steve Williams has said, "Let's go to the range after this round. Let's work on our putting." and and so has helped discipline Jason Day a little bit. So I'm curious to see how that's going to do uh, overseas. Jason Day has had some close calls in the past. We recall the uh, 2015 Open Championship at St. Andrews. He had about an 18-foot putt. He left it short in the jaws uh, to enter a playoff. So he's uh, my final pick. Very well done. Give us your team, Scully, before we uh, 
Right, give us your top so, five. Yeah, so my it. team, my past champion is Rory McIlroy. My American is Xander Shoffley. My European is Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. My international is Jason Day. And my wild card is Matt Kuchar. Well done there. All right. Excellent team. Bob, Thank your you. final pick. It will be a nice team to finish second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my last pick, I'm going to go uh, with a, someone who's been playing pretty decent of late and who's over on that side of the pond more than he's over on this side of the pond. And that is Matt Wallace. I'm oh, Matt Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. Wild he raced to Dubai. Yeah, and he is uh, obviously been playing. He's had a sort of a mixed bag this year if you look at his record. But of late, uh, his last five starts, tied for second, tied for third, tied for 41st, tied for 12th, and tied for third. So he's had some good finishes, and he obviously knows how to play over on those uh, those kind of courses, the link-style courses. So uh, I look for him to have a great finish. Get Bob, give us your team here. So my team, my past champion is Louis Oosthuizen. My U.S. player is Dustin Johnson. My Euro is Justin Rose. My international is our boy Adam Hadwin. And the wild card, Matt Wallace. And wild card, Matt Wallace. And I'm going to go with an American, which is something I'm not really thinking of. Playing well as of late is a kind of found something in the last couple of weeks, a guy that looked like he was vaulting and going to be a permanent resident inside the top five in the official world golf rankings. And a year ago at the Open Championship, was caught on video at the back of the range looking like oh, he may wow. have uh, maybe lost his, his com- swing completely. But I think the mad scientist, I think the scientist, Bryson DeChambeau, is going to figure out a way to marry science with the artistry of Lynx Golf, because there is. It, it is not a lot of science in Lynx <laughs> Golf. There's not a lot of A to B. But I think that maybe uh, the Shambo find this guy's too good not to play better in majors. Mm-hmm. He's just too good. Uh, Bryson DeChambo will be my wild card. So Brooks Kepka, Francesco Molinari, Sergio Garcia, Adam Scott, and Bryson DeChambo is my team. Guys, I want to just put a few things out there. We only have a couple minutes left in this segment. Mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth. Ricky Fowler, yeah, John Rahm, Tiger Woods, not Tiger Woods, not on the list. Drafted, Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas, not drafted. Out of all those names, what's the biggest shock? Not drafted on this team. I mean, you, you got to say Tiger Woods is the Masters champion, um, you know. Uh, but as we've mentioned, he just hasn't played much golf. He he could he could go on and contend. He really could. Sure. Um, but that would just be a massive shock to all of us. I really think so. Yeah, it's, it's pretty surprising. I mean, I think if you look at the guys in the top 10 who weren't taken, Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods, and uh, Patrick Cantlay, yeah. uh, who's another guy who's just so under the radar despite how yep. well he's played. Yeah, true. Patrick Cantlay, 25-1, to 1, and I, I wanted to go there a couple times and didn't go there. All right, on the other side, it is the Open Championship edition of Winners Weird and What. And I don't know if there's another golf tournament on the planet. Maybe Augusta. Those are the only two, really, that come to mind. That where we could probably do a winner's weird and what special on on either of those events mm-hmm. over the years of what they have provided in terms of just bizarre moments, interesting moments, uh, and of course the history of the Open Championship cer- certainly gives us a, a long way back. I'm curious to see how far back the, we go because we haven't spoken at all about what our historic three dub for the Open Championship is going to be. We're I'll, gonna, give you, I'll give you a hint. Right. Mine goes way back. Way back. <laughs> way All back. Right. One of them. One of them goes way back. All right. So there's a little teaser there from Weeksy. We're going to do the Open Championship 3-dub history edition next on our Open Championship preview special. This is GTC. 
This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by TaylorMade and the speed-injected Twistface M5 and M6 drivers. Everybody gets faster in 2019. Visit TaylorMade.ca for more information or to book your custom fitting today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Tourism Ireland, home of the 2019 Open Championship. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our Open Championship preview special. Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, Adam Scully, and like we said before we went to break, in terms of winners, weird and what, yeah, the Open Championship might be number one, especially from a historical standpoint. I, you know, maybe the Masters in there as well. But we could do specials on winners, weird and what on the Open Championship. So we decided to take a look back on what the greatest winners, weird and what moments might be from the Open Championship over the years. And we didn't speak about this in advance. We left the very open. We left the lanes wide open to see what we would get and where each person around the panel here would take this. So, Bob, let's just start with you. Let's go around the table. Our winner, historical moment. Did you take a player? Did you take a moment? Did you take a theme? Where did you go with, with, with this? What's your open championship history winner? Well, my winner uh, goes way back, and we're talking eight. 1968. Oh, wow. So I went okay. way back. I did a little bit of research on this little, and I found a cool story. It's it's one that people might know, but when you think about this, if you put it into today's terms, today's concept, you would be absolutely blown away. But mm-hmm. the 1868 Open was won by Tom Morris, and Tom Morris beat Tom Morris in the finals. So <laughs> young Tom Morris... Uh, beat old Tom Morris right. by a three-shot margin. Now, young Tom Morris was only 17 years old. He is still the youngest person ever to win a major championship in golf, if you count this one, right. I guess. Uh, he shot rounds of 51, 54, and 49. <laughs> it was a little bit of a shorter course, okay. obviously. There were only 12 people in the field, and uh, the prize fund was 12 pounds. That's what he Ooh. won, 12 pounds. But if you think about this, think about what it would be like today if, let's say, Gary Nicholas beat Jack Nicholas in the Masters. Wow. Or Put if, that in if perspective. someone's son beat their, you know, right. their father by three shots. And I know it's a whole different sure. wax and everything's cool. But it's kind of a cool story, and it kind of goes back to those old days, those early days of these, these championships when they were playing with kind of weird equipment and, you know, old-fashioned stuff and um, it's just amazing to me that, that this came through, and it was kind of a cool story, so I thought that you guys would probably not be going that far back, so I'd make it my winner. That, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's about as far back as you go, but, like, think about that in modern times. Just you, you, That story's never going to happen. <laughs> you talk about things that will never happen again, and we talk about a lot of records, like Tiger's Cut record and his yeah. performance at 2000, the Open Championship. Yeah, You want to talk about something that will never happen again? There's your winner right there. Yeah, I, I guess like if if Drew Love qualified yeah. for the Open and yeah. Davis, I know Davis Love was trying to qualify Kevin earlier Tway. in the year. Kevin Tway, um, Fred Funk, I mean, like, incredible <laughs> names like that. But uh, VJ Singh, another guy. Uh, but yeah, wild for sure. Uh, Skulls to you for your winner. Yeah, my winner. So I, I had to alter this slightly as some uh, recent news broke about how the playoff format is changing of the Open from yeah. four holes to three holes. Uh, my winner is uh, the playoff format. Uh, and, and how it's more than one hole. Um, 
And so, uh, here we go. I'm sorry, my, my, my computer froze no there for a second with my notes. Um, so, of course, the Open Championship now has a three-hole aggregate. aggregate playoff format. Uh, the Masters has a sudden death. The mm-hmm. U.S. Open's now two holes. And the PGA Championship is also three holes. So uh, the playoff format did move uh, in 1986. The first one was 1989. I, I tried to do a little bit of research into this, and I watched the last two playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2015 uh, with Louis Ustase and Zach Johnson went up winning and Mark Leishman. And then, of course, 2009, the heartbreaker that was when Tom Watson had a great chance to win at Turnberry and and that eight iron from 187 yards just took a bounce. It was too much, and he lost the playoff by six shots. Stewart's thing. But I, I think this is the best way to solve uh, a major champion. Like, I do, it, too. It shouldn't be done in sudden death. You've battled 72 holes in the elements, and uh, there's so much on the line. There's history. Your life could change forever. It's got to be more than one hole. Um, you know, the, the, the Masters has only gone to two holes once, but or a couple times, I should say, but uh, once in recent memory. Uh, but the Open Championship, the playoff format, it's just well. Excellent. I said to Bob a couple of weeks ago that the, yeah, I would love to see all the majors go to go to three hole aggregate and get uniformed on this, Bob. Yeah, well, the U.S. Open is now two holes, which to me is too short mm-hmm. uh, because if let's say you make a double on the first hole, you're basically done. And the the sudden death thing I get because in in cases like the Masters, you have to worry about time and light, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're in April and the, the sun goes down a little, a little earlier. You when you're late, playing yeah. at the Open Championship, you know, it stays light till 3 in the morning or whatever. It yeah. is. So you can you can get those extra holes in. But but it would be nice to have some kind of a standard format to, to round them all. Makes all too much sense. Out. 100%. Uh, I couldn't agree more. All right, my winner, guys, and I went more personal with with this because for me, not only, as you guys all know, I'm, I'm a big uh, Phil Mickelson fan, oh, yeah. but I also think it speaks to Lynx Golf in general. And what hopefully we might see may, might see it this time around, but the 2013 Open Championship, uh, Phil Mickelson winning the Open Championship, uh, tra- trailed that day by five shots uh, heading into that final round. Bogeyed his tenth hole, and then went four under from there on in. You remember the Frankenwood from mm-hmm. 17 mm-hmm. at Murfield on the par Wait, five, Wood, birdied yeah. the last two holes, and, and won what might be his last major championship when we look back. Uh, and the reason I love this is because I think it speaks to Lynx Championship Golf. Americans especially, and high ball hitters. Uh, and I've had my own personal experience with this the first time I ever went to Scotland. I remember standing on the tee the first time I went to Scotland with my father uh, and a group of guys at the uh, Jubilee course mm-hmm. at St. Andrews. And I pump a drive down the middle, you know, 20 stories in the air. And the caddy looks at me and says, oh, that's a shame. Oh, that's a shame. That's as good as I got. <laughs> Angry Mike gets up there and skulls one down the middle of fairway, 140 yards, and the caddy goes, perfect. I said, this is going to be the longest week of my life. Yeah. If that's perfect and mine's no good, this is going to be the longest week of my life. And, you know, at first, it can rub you the wrong way. It gets you the wrong way. And then all of a sudden, you learn to fall in love with it. You learn to fall how di- how different it is in the shots on the ground and the imagination and it is, it's a completely different sport. And when you embrace it, you can have moments like 2013 with Phil Mickelson. And that's why it's my winner, because it really speaks to how once a year on a global stage, we get to see the game in such a different way, in a special way, in the way it was founded. Well, so. and for Phil, you know, if, if Henrik Stenson doesn't go off a couple of years later at Royal True, and he has, he has two Claire Jugs, right? That's right. And that, that year, that might be the greatest duel we've seen in the last 15 years on a golf course. Oh, yeah. Weeksy, you're weird. Uh, so my weird is it takes us to the uh, 2004 mm. Open Championship, and it was one of the stranger 
events that I've ever seen when the winner was none other than Todd Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Todd Hamilton had won one PGA Tour event in his career. Now, he had been very successful playing internationally, especially in Japan, where he was the uh, one of the top money top non-Japanese money winners of all time on that tour. He'd made his living over there. But he was a virtual, I won't say unknown, but he was pretty much pretty lesser close. known. He'd won earlier that year in March. But then he got to Troon, and he finds himself tied at the end of regulation with Ernie Els. And he goes into a playoff with Ernie Els. And I'll bet you, of all the people who were in there, besides if you ruled out Todd Hamilton's family, probably nobody gave Todd Hamilton a chance of winning that tournament. And mm-hmm. he came through. To me, that is one of the most remarkable underdog victories in the history of major championship 100%. golf. I mean, we've seen other guys like Ben Curtis and some of those guys, but Todd Hamilton beating Ernie Els in a playoff. <laughs> and you win. know the two things that, rem- that that I stick in my mind about that, Bob, and I wonder if you feel the same, because we saw Ben Curtis, but there was a weather-related thing. He went out early, remember? Yeah. And we've seen mm-hmm. stuff like that. There was n- Hamilton, he was there from the beginning. It wasn't weather-related. And you know what I remember? The bump with the hybrid. Yeah. How many times did he yeah. go to that hybrid bump shot? That's right. That was kind of that was one of the first guys to really popularize mm-hmm. that kind of a yeah. shot, I think. And yeah. uh, anyway, he played. He's dined out forever on the. Not it's unfair to say dined out because he's played some good golf over the years and played in different spots. But if you look at his record in major championship golf, he has uh, played thirty nine major championships. He's only he's made the cut in sixteen of them, and his best finish is a tie for fifteenth at the two thousand nine Masters. He's essentially been a non-major guy, except Fitz. for that one week out of his life. Unbelievable. And Seems you know good. what I'm saying, guys? I know my draft team doesn't suggest it, but I've been saying for weeks, we're in a Todd Hamilton year. Yeah. That's what's happening at Port Rush. Skull's weird. So my, my weird is it's more of a why. And, and so I, I've, <laughs> I've, looked at the, I've looked at the average world ranking points of the winners uh, at, at all of the major championships. And so the open, the, the average world ranking points is, is 42nd. Uh, the PGA is 33rd, the U.S. Open is 21st, and the Masters is 15th. So why do we think the Open Championship has this higher, you know, is it is it because the golf is so different? Is it because you need patience? Is it because, why do you guys think? I, I, for me, it's, it's too very, and some people are not going to like this answer, but for me, it's very point blank. Weather is the biggest factor. The, what side of the draw you can get on can change the outlook completely. Mm-hmm. And in that vein... Sometimes the Open Championship, and I don't mean this in any offense, but sometimes the Open Championship does not identify the best player. It identifies the luckiest golfer. Because mm. luck with weather, bounces, the type of golf comes into play there. To, to the to, Like St- Spinal Tap would say, turn it to 11. <laughs> yes. So, Bob, what do you think on that? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think there's, uh, there's good breaks and bad breaks, and you can go back and look over the years at different guys who've had terrible time. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrible uh, timing, you know, the, yep. like remember, remember Muirfield when uh, Tiger Woods went out and I think he I mean. shot eighty four or that's whatever the, it was. That's what I mean. The best story about that was Cam Cole, who is a, now a retired writer, and I were were sharing a house that time. We were driving home from the golf course, and I telling you the the wa- rain was coming in sideways. I mean, you couldn't hit the ball ten feet in front of you. Couldn't see your hand ten feet in front of you. We're driving by, and we had to go past this little. Uh, municipal golf course on our way home, and they were lined up on the first tee. <laughs> <So> <laughs> play at that place. But you're right. I think I think there are a lot. There are more breaks 
that determine the winner at yeah. that championship than anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Just in the sake of time, we, we only have about three, four minutes left to get through this. I'm going to give you my weird and my what very quickly. Uh, my weird uh, is Jean Vandeveld. How, how can you not go with Jean Vandeveld? 99, the greatest comeback in PGA Tour history. Ten shots, Paul Laurie. Jean Vandeveld, we don't need to go through it. The guy needed a double bogey on the last hole to win the Open Championship. He makes a seven with the fist pump. That's my favorite part. A fist pump triple. To make it into I've a done playoff, that, before. <laughs> that is my favorite moment right there. Fist pumping the hockey stick is brilliant. And my what? What if that eight iron in 2009 yeah. at Turnberry lands one foot short? He Tom Watson at age 59 flushes the eight iron perfect all over that flag. It lands one foot short. He might have a tap in birdie. At the very least, the tap-in two-putt, and he wins the Open yeah. Championship. His six, by the way, at the age of 59. And that one foot to catch just a little bit of a firmer hop on the other side of that, of the, I don't want to call it a shelf, just a little mount, and it gets up against a collar, Stuart Sink wins. Boy, we were robbed from one of the greatest moments in sports history by 12 inches. Poor Stuart yeah. Sink. Yeah, poor Stuart Sink. <laughs> All right, Bob, your uh, weird, uh, sorry, your yeah, what? My yeah. what very, very quickly was uh, one, of the, one of the ones that I was at not too long ago, 2012, Ernie Els mm. winning at Royal Lytham and St. Anne's. And it's not Ernie Els that I'm calling out in this one, but... What a stunning finish for Adam Scott. Oh, my Four God. consecutive bogeys. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Yeah. To watch that poor guy struggle in. Everyone's, they, they had actually started to think about engraving his name mm-hmm. on the Claret Jug before it came time to, uh, to before they were finished. And, man, it was, uh, that was just one of the strangest things I've ever seen. It was sort of like a what? You know, yeah. I to- completely agree with you, too, mm-hmm. because, you know, I, always, I, I, t- I tend to use this phrase often on our radio program because Peter Costas always uses it, and I like it. He says... The first sign of a player feeling pressure is their decision-making yeah. ability, not necessarily their swing. And there was some such a bizarre club selections off the tee for Adam Scott right through the 18th hole, bringing that, bunkers that into play. Way. That Yeah, and you go, man, it's, there's a perfect example right there. Skulls, you're what? My what uh, sort of goes back to what you, uh, what you were saying, Bob, about the 2002 uh, open and this involves the same caddy as well. So Steve Williams was on the bag for Adam Scott. Tiger or Steve Williams was on the bag for Tiger Woods when he shot that 81 at the 2002 Open Championship. He'd won the first two majors that year. He was two shots off the lead. Steve Williams said earlier that morning he took his shirt off, went for a run outside. It was so nice. It was the <laughs> nicest day. They had no rain gear plan. They get on the course. You can't see the ball. There's a great. You can't see where the ball's going. He makes a couple double bogeys, loses a couple tee shots. There's the famous shot of Shigeki Mariyama sort of shivering uh, under one of the tee boxes. Yes, yes that's right. It was just so an cold. And, uh, and of course, uh, the next day, uh, he shot 65 and yeah. finished T29. But uh, that and, was and one of the weirder moments. He was going seen. for his third major in, in a row. row. In a row. Right. Yeah, that's so right. a, a very so. wild moment, but that's what the conditions can do. There you the go. Open and to answer your question, Scully, as to why the world ranking points, that's a perfect uh, answer yeah. to that question right there. That's very, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we get good weather. And right now the forecast does not look too bad. For Ireland, it's somewhere in the 15, 16 degrees Celsius range. Hopefully we do not get any weather that can change an outcome of a major championship, but you never know. On the other side, we're going to get you caught up with some things GTC related as we wrap up our one of our Golf Talk Canada uh, British Open Open Championship preview special. This is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Tourism Ireland home of the 2019 Open Championship. Visit golfawaytours.com to book your Irish golf adventure.
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our Open Championship Preview Special. Uh, wrapping up the front nine with Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, and Mark Zacchino. A couple things to let you know. Uh, Golf Talk Canada TV is back this week with a 60-minute Golf Talk Canada Open Championship Preview Special. Weeks, you will be on location in Ireland. Scully will be in Ireland. Yours Truly, with the uh, wheel in Toronto, yes. the TSN studio. So looking forward to that 60-minute Open Championship TV preview special. Uh, Golf Talk Canada Radio returns live July 27th, Saturday, July 27th. So before you hit us up on Twitter in anger next Saturday that we're <laughs> running a repeat, the Golf Talk Canada community decided not to go up against the Open Championship with a live run of programming. We hope you watch the Open Championship on TSN. That's what you should be doing. You should be sitting in bed with a cup of coffee, something to eat, lounging, relaxing, or in your favorite chair, watching the Open Championship next Saturday. You should not be listening to Golf Talk Canada. I can't believe I'm saying this, but you should be watching TSN. And then, of course, we're back live on the 27th. And then following the Open Championship, we're back for a 60-minute recap special on TV of the Open Championship. So lots to come from Golf Talk Canada. Tell us your Bushnell story continues. So on July the 27th, we're going to give away a Bushnell hybrid. That is the uh, device from Bushnell that gives you that great laser accurate technology to flag, but it also gives you that GPS window on it. It's a hybrid. Really cool, really cool product. In order to win that product, you got to tag us in a story at Golf Talk Canada and at Bushnell Golf. Tag us both Instagram, Twitter, with how you use your Bushnell, how you would use your Bushnell, how you'd like to use your Bushnell on your favorite hole, your favorite golf course, your nemesis hole. Send us pics, videos, stories, etc. And your chance to win a Bushnell hybrid. So looking forward to that. That's July the 27th. Also on July the 27th, we're going to give away Coast to Coast some custom fittings from a contest we ran in June for TaylorMade. We're going to let you know who the winners were to go to your lab, your fitter, etc. in your regions across the country coast to coast of who won the free uh, tailor-made fittings in each province. And of course, 20 weeks of tailor-made continues throughout the summer. We'll have a few weeks left to go before we get mm-hmm. to the very end. You must follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us both Twitter and Instagram at golf talk Canada for your chance to win. If you already do that, you're already in and you got a chance to win great prizes throughout the summer. The grand prize custom set tailor-made golf clubs, through the bag, top to bottom. You'll go for the custom fitting, the whole uh, kit and caboodle, the DJ experience, mm-hmm. however you'd like to call it. <laughs> 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the summer. All right, we're wrapping up here. Hour one of Golf Talk Canada Open Championship Preview Special. In hour two, we'll take a look back at the year that was Major Championship Golf. Masters recap, PGA recap, U.S. Open recap. And then our final thoughts on what will be this year's final major in July uh, no major championship in August this year. That'll be interesting. Uh, guys, uh, before we wrap up, only a minute, minute left. Before we get uh, a look back, for me, hands down right now, I think the Masters is not even close, is the highlight of the golf year. The, any, you know, removing the Masters out of the equation, what do you enjoy more? I, I'm assuming you agree with me on this. 
So uh, mm-hmm. taking the Masters out of the equation very quickly, a minute left. PGA better tournament, Open, uh, U.S. Open better tournament, Bob? Uh, U.S. Open for me was a better tournament. I like that a lot more. I think, you know, while DJ closed the gap in the last little bit on, on Kepka, I think when you started Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, I guess, at Pebble Beach, there was a lot of players that you, you could have picked out of the bag that, that could have won that and made it a lot more exciting. And Gary Willen is such a good guy. You love to see him win. I also don't like a golf tournament that starts on Thursday morning where four or five guys can win and the rest of the field's there for a parade. And that's what the PGA felt like for me. I agree with Bob. Scully, to you, very yeah, quickly. Yeah, the PGA, with you know, I thought it was going to be a parade, and, and, and that lead really dwindled down. There were only six guys, I believe, finished under par. Uh, I really enjoyed watching uh, Beth Page on TV for sure. Thank you so much for listening. If you only get one hour of Golf Talk Canada, listen to us online, iHeartRadio. You can always download the podcast. For those of you in markets with Hour 2, 60 more minutes of our Open Championship preview special coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada for blogs, podcasts, show archives, our YouTube channel, or for more information, visit us online at golftalkcanada.com. We'll be right back with more GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to GTC Open Championship Preview Special right here on the TSN Radio Network, Coast to Coast. And Weeksy, Zacchino, Scully, a little bit of a pause, a little bit of look back as we are heading into the year's final major. Uh, and this is our first look at a new schedule. So it has felt very different. But we got very lucky because I think, you know, the Masters, it was a hard follow-up. And and the end of hour one, we all kind of went, you know, it's we were sitting here trying to pick. In some years, let me put it this way. In some years when we do our recap specials, which we'll do again this year, obviously, we get the debate. What was the year's best major? This year there will be no debate. Well, unless something insane happens at Royal Portrush, it would have to be off the charts. You know, maybe old old Tom, Tom Morris raises, uh, rises from the dead and wins. You know, that, that, could, that could maybe do it, right? Tom Watson, is he, you know? Yeah, yeah. Tom, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, how, how does this happen where you could, you know, achieve a better golf tournament than the Masters? I don't think you can. So this year, I don't think we're going to have that, that discussion. Uh, the Masters was, was epic for the ages. Bob, when we look back and think about the Masters, can you put in the words now, several months later, looking back, what was going through your mind when you were when you came to the realization that Tiger Woods was actually going to win? When you said at that moment, "Oh my God, this is happening." Well, it was um, <clears throat> it was a lot of weird stuff about that Sunday. First, and the biggest mm-hmm. part was the fact that they teed off at seven in the morning. Yeah, and three. That six. was weird because you didn't really usually, you know, those those days you have sort of a buildup of the day. You're thinking about things. You're putting things together. You're. I usually what I do is I take the top guys who I think have a chance, and I'll make a whole bunch of notes on every one of them so I'm prepared for whatever should happen. And that day you, you almost couldn't. You had to you sort of scrambled a little bit to get that, and then. 
watching it unfold, um, I, I wasn't sure that Tiger was going to win at the start of the day, and then things just started to kind of fall into place. And, and you know, I never expected Molinari to hit it in the water, and I never expected Finau to hit it in the water. I never expected Brooks Kepka. Kepka. You know, all those kind of little things that sort of fell away, and then all of a sudden, you're, you, like you said, you're sort of stood there, and, and you realize, like, I remember looking at, over at James Duffy, and I said, this is going to happen. He's really going to do this. And that's where it kind of you slap yourself in the face to sort of make sure you're not dreaming because that's yeah. what it was like. Yeah, it, it was. there was a surrealness to like the whole thing where you're looking like, oh, like you're looking around going, hold on, wake up now, but you're not. You, you can feel, you feel, like feel it in the crowd too. You could feel the yeah. crowd, that, this buzz that came out throughout everywhere, like especially after 12, when they right. got through 12, mm-hmm. you could feel that people were thinking, yeah, this is going to happen. This right. is going to happen. Uh, Scully, what about for you? Like obviously Bob and I, we, lo- we love golf. Uh, you know, we've been in it a long time. Bob's covered you know, tons of Tigers majors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at your age, you grew up with a relationship to Tiger very different to Bob and I. Uh, you grew up with a relationship to Tiger maybe the way Bob grew up with Jack or uh, Tom Watson. I don't know. Who was your favorite player uh, as a younger Bob Weeks? Bob, when you, were, when you were Scully's age, who did you gravitate oh, to? Oh, Jack was my guy. Jack was sure. your guy, right? Jack was the guy. Right, for me... Uh, it was always Greg Norman as a kid. And then in the 90s, uh, you know, as a, as a teenager, uh, a guy in my 20s, I loved Phil. He was the lefty. I loved the way he played. It was, I was always a Phil Mickelson guy. But you grew up with Tiger with a different attachment, through a different lens. Mm-hmm. How, like, what was it like for you to see basically a resurrection of maybe what you would call a childhood idol to a certain degree? It was, to put it simply, it was spine-tingling. It was incredible, it, you know, to to sort of take a look back at all he's gone through, you know, everything off the golf course, being 1,199th in the world, and we had the pleasure, Mark and I, uh, we we hosted that uh, yep. special that morning yes. on GTC, and then they teed off eight minutes after we were off the air, and um, watching his veteran experience, watching him plot around that golf course. Watching him say after his round that he knew the angle of attack Brooks Kepka took on the 12th tee that he that he had a nine iron, not an eight iron, and then Tiger sort of pitched this eight iron on, onto that 12th tee or 12th green, I should say. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. It was something I was optimistic would happen again. I didn't. I don't, did I really believe he was going to win the Masters again? Probably not. Um, and I, I remember uh, I was here working that day, and I got home and was doing other things, watched the press conference, and then I, I watched the final putt and then the, everything that ensued after, and I started to cry. Mm-hmm. It, was ten, it, was, it was eight hours later. I'm like, oh, my God, like, yeah. like what is happening right now? But it was just it was an unbelievable moment, like we've mentioned, not even in golf, in sports, just as, as a human to, to think he's gone through so much He's gone so far, and now he's at the top of the mountain again. It was, it was, it was amazing. Before we move on from Tiger, because uh, there's a Kepka story here that no one, for some reason, ever, we, no one talks about. But Bob, does this, if this is the, if that's the last time he ever wins, which I don't think it is, but if it's the last time he ever wins, does this fix the legacy? Is this the happy ending? Are we all everybody's okay with this now? And did the legacy need to be fixed? Uh, yeah, if Ooh. 10 years from now, like Tiger's wrapped it up and we know he's done, this to me is kind of like his Jack in 86 moment, mm-hmm. right? This is the one where people said he's never going to come back. He's never going to win. I mean, you know, we had had him retiring. We had him yep. doing all sorts of things. Never, you know, have never. Owning you know, a chain of Perkins back. restaurants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So I think you could look back and say this was the most unlikely of his victories mm -hmm. just because of where he came from and everything he's been through. And, and you know, not, you can go way back to the, the fateful Thanksgiving Day or you can go up to the point where he got arrested on the DUI. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, all those kind of things, to me, this, is, this doesn't make up for it. But this makes it more unlikely that he would ever get back and, and get into this spot. So it could be. I, I, I don't know if we're all said and done yet, but if we are, then this is sort of that, that great moment, that final bit of icing on the cake. And do you think the legacy needed this because of the things you just outlined? Unlike it, Jack, you know, I don't did know he it, need this polish? Yeah. I don't know if it needed it, but it sure makes it better. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Same to you, Adam. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's great that this happened. It was it's ice, uh, not icing on the cake, but you know, to go from where he was at 32 years old with 14 majors, we thought 18 was inevitable, and then it took however long it did to get to number 15. Um, but for Tiger, you know, looking at I, I've looked at this as the evolution of his golf game and how he's evolved from last year to this year. And we remember last year he had two great chances to win major championships down the stretch. He had the lead on Sunday at the Open Championship uh, on the 11th and 12th hole and, and, and missed the fairway on both holes with uh, a long iron, made bogey, double bogey, his chances were over. You go to the PGA Championship, that 17th hole at Bell Reeve, par 5, hits this huge block slice uh, on a par 5, makes par. Then we go to the Masters this year where if you look back in 2005 when he sunk that heroic chip from behind the green, he then went bogey-bogey on 17 and 18 at Augusta, forcing a playoff. But what did he do this year? He blasted a high cut right down the middle, 176-mile-an-hour ball speed. And he mentioned before that week learning how to win again. At the Tour, at the tour Championship, he learned how to win again. And now it was all about I said learning that to win majors. for a year last year yeah. that he was like a guy trying to win for the first time. Because it's been so mm -hmm. long, and this was a version of Tiger, to your point, Scully, uh, of the progression of his game. This was like a Tiger 4.0, and it was like 4.0 has never won before. 4.0 mm -hmm. doesn't know what they're doing mm -hmm. in this moment. 4.0 misses putts, right. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And another strange sort of uh, fact about uh, the Masters and, and the win. Uh, so Tiger was 12th in the world heading into that tournament. The previous five Masters winners, their average world ranking was 12th. So very interesting to see how that, that worked out. Okay, Kismet. question for you guys. Change, change, this, uh, change the second half of this Masters conversation and steer it back to the Open Championship. Brooks Kepka wins the U.S. Open 2018. Brooks Kepka wins the PGA Championship 2018. Okay? Uh, Brooks Kepka wins. Brooks Kepka hits it in Rays Creek on Sunday and still has a 9-10 foot putt which probably would have put him in a playoff on the 72nd hole and misses that. That puck goes in. Maybe it's Tiger Kepka playoff, okay? Comes back, wins PGA Championship, all right, at Bethpage Black, which was pretty much a parade except for, like, you know, 60 minutes of a broadcast on Sunday. It was a parade. Has a chance to win the Open Championship. Pushes Gary Wood, uh, U.S. Open Championship, Pell Beach, pushes it to... The very end. Basically, we haven't seen in two years, it feels like we haven't seen a major championship that Brooks Kepka hasn't had a chance to win. It's that obvious. Why are we not all standing on top of a mountain screaming Brooks Kepka's the favorite at the Open Championship? Um, good question. I mean, really, I, I just don't think that we've, we think of him as playing that kind of golf on, on, a, on a Lynx style of golf course. But... If you look at his record, it's pretty darn good. Okay, so question. So if this wasn't the Open Championship, say it was the PGA coming up next, and we were traditionally moving into August for the last spot, 
Would we, would we be standing on the top of a mountain, Bob, screaming Brooks Kepka? Is the Lynx aspect of the Open Championship the thing, the only thing preventing you? Or if this was on a traditional North American golf course, would you be screaming Brooks Kepka? Yeah, probably. I probably would. I mean, you look at his record, he's got a, 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 a tie for 10th and a tie for 6th in, in his appearances at the Open Championship. So I just think his game is almost bulletproof. And for some ways, it's almost like we're saying, I don't want him to win again. I want somebody else to win again, which is kind of That's weird. It's a big compliment, though. You're right. And it is, it's, it's, is the, so it's the New England Patriots compliment. Yeah, right? I guess. And uh, he's every time he tees it up in a major, you got to give him a chance to win. It's just He's just that good right now, and he's that mentally strong that he can do that. But I, I, maybe the follow-up there is if this Open Championship was at Troon or was at St. Andrews, it was at a course that isn't really that much of an unknown that players have been to before, would we still be having this conversation? I wouldn't be having this conversation necessarily if it was at St. Andrews because we know St. Andrews traditionally over the years is a bomber's paradise. Mm. So if you go to St. Andrews, it's very similar to going to Bethpage, certainly the way they've set up Bethpage. You know, who are the bombers? Mm. Who are the best five drivers of the golf ball in the world? And typically, not always, but typically at St. Andrews, Tiger, Daly, Nicholas, uh, Kepka could dominate St. Andrews with his driver the way Tiger Woods did it, you know, mm-hmm. in the early mm-hmm. 2000s, where you just you know, play four days and never hit a bunker because you take them all out of play by taking them over. So I think certainly at, at the old course, we'd have that conversation. True, and I don't think so, Bob. At True, and I think we're still having this conversation. I think any other open championship golf course, other than the old course, I think we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, you know being being a big bomber isn't necessarily as big an advantage on this kind of a golf course as yeah. it is compared to the other three. Hundred percent. So I think that's the one thing that you can look at. But again, he'll sit there and say, "Well, then I can only I only have to hit five iron, where some guys will have to hit three wood or something like that." So it, it plays out. I mean, the last four major championships Brooks Kepka has played, he's gone first, second, first, right. second. No, so it's a pretty good record. That's a great segue, Bob, to our next segment because the next segment we're going to take a look at the PGA Championship, and I am going to take my knife out and, and <laughs> slash up the PGA Championship because uh, I think it was the weakest major championship of the year. And I love Bethpage Black. Don't get me wrong. I think that is a tremendous golf course. But you know I've been screaming at the top of the mountain for you know you don't need 8,000-yard golf courses. You need uh, you need what we saw at Hamilton. You need what we see saw at the U.S. Open. You, you need to bring other aspects of the game into focus than who's the best driver of the golf ball. And I feel that's what happened in May at Bethpage. So we're going to jump into the PGA Championship next. We'll see if Bob and Scully feel the same way. And uh, I will point once again to the 2013 U.S. Open as my proof, like I do until I'm blue in the face. This is Golf Talk Canada, our Open Championship preview special. This segment of GTC, presented by Acura, was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Only 30 minutes from downtown Toronto, with flexible membership packages and one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Cedar Bray is the place to be. 
Visit cedarbraygolf.com for more information. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our Open Championship preview special. And in the second half, the back nine, as Scully would say, we're taking a look back at the majors that were. Now, listen, Masters was tremendous. But for the height and, and, and just the sensation and the emotional connection to what was Augusta this year, I felt the complete opposite to Beth Page Black. Was I ready for another major championship? Yes. Do I like the PGA move into May? Yes. I thought there was a lot of things lining up. And I love Beth Page Black. But guys, that golf course from the day, from the moment you saw the setup, before we knew it, the PGA championship at Beth Page was a slightly gentler setup than what a U.S. Open has looked like at Beth Page. Not much. Slightly, slightly gentler. It was a huge ballpark. It was who could hit it 320 down the middle. It felt like it felt like four or five guys, certainly Kepka, DJ, and Rory were the top three. And then maybe you find a Woodland, one other guy in the in the in that can play that golf course. To me, the PGA Championship this year almost felt like, I hate to say this, but it's it's like everything that I don't want to see in our in our major championships anymore. I don't want to see 140 people peg it up with 135 of them playing catch-up before the tournament even starts. Uh, it felt like a parade. I know it got a little tight on uh, on the backside at Sunday, but Bob, who did it get tight with at the back nine at Sunday? Yeah. DJ, Too one of the is. other top two or three guys that had a Bass chance to win. Yeah. I didn't care for it. Did nothing for me. Congratulations to Kepka proving once again he's the best player in the world. I don't need more of that. It was uh, it was all sort of a precipice for me when you got saw the first hole, which is a you tee off from above. Mm-hmm. It's a four hundred and thirty yard dog leg right, and I stood up <laughs> there. I can't remember who the player was. It might have been Harold Varner actually in a practice round, and he stood up there and took an aim aim at this hole, and I thought he's going to hit it into the trees. And he went right over, and he was like 30 yards in front of the green. <laughs> and I just thought, after that, man, if you don't, if you can't hit it, you know, 300 or 260 and 270 in the air, then you have no chance here this week because these guys were just ripping it all apart. And there was a, it was a small group of players that you knew could contend. And if there's anything other than Brooks Kepka um, that I learned about the PGA Championship that year. It's how to say jazz, Jenna, what and a nod. That's about it. That's about it. I mean, wow. it was just, it was the big bombers and jazz, Jenna, what and a nod. Are you yeah. worried that they're continuing that direction? Not really. I mean, you look at the future sites right now. Uh, next year, TPC Harding Park, which is a bit, a bit of a bigger ballpark from what I understand. Yeah. But then you go to Oak Hill, yeah. which is um, a similar style, of course, to Bethpage, but I don't think it's going to be quite as long. Mm-hmm. You got Valhalla, which is well known. Then you got Aronimic in golf, you know, which we've seen in the FedEx Cup. So there's a few more traditional golf courses built into there. So I think there's always going to be big bomber courses because that's what's available. So, and it's also where the game is else. gone. Yeah. Um, but it's it would be nicer if we had some more Hamiltons and we had some more uh, Marions, Marions, and places like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scully to you. Yeah, you know, for me, that week got up to a very interesting start with Brooks Kepka's press conference, and you know. He, he came out and, and said, you know, there's really only 30 guys you have to beat this week. And, you know, we mentioned maybe there's only five guys you really have to beat with the right. distance. But He's not lying. To though, come out yeah. and, and have the stones to right. say that. Uh, it, good on him, really, you know, yeah. to, to have that cockiness and, and inner belief to come out and do it. And then that front nine, he, you know, after one hole, 
He was playing with Tiger and Molinari, and after one hole, he was three shots up on Tiger. He sunk a 50-foot bomb on the first hole, and Tiger airmailed a wedge from 86 yards or whatever it was. And that was sort of the tournament right there in a nutshell. He, his his front nine was just so good. And um, But the, the golf course itself, yeah, it was a bomber's paradise. Uh, the, the, the weather wasn't too hot. It wasn't too It was sort of right in the middle. And and, and that rough was very penal, and, and that's where I was surprised to see. You know, Jordan Spieth had a, had a brief little appearance near the top of the near the top of the leaderboard. Uh, but I mean, Kapka just dominated, and it was a seven shot lead going into Sunday, and it pre- briefly got close. Um, but uh, good on him for doing it again. It, it was our first uh, PGA Championship seen in May. I know, like the venues have been selected now moving forward, and those venues were selected and highlighted before we knew that the championship was was moving to May. Moving forward, thinking long picture now down the road with this new May date, do you think we start to see some southern destinations pop for the PGA Championship? Can we see a PGA back in, in Florida for the first time in like a gazillion years? Well, I think what it does is it just gives them so many more possibilities to places that they never could have it before because it would just be too, too darn hot. But yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, they're, I'm just looking right now. They're actually booked up right now through, if you can believe this, through 2031. Oh, my. Of course. Now, I know in the back end. <laughs> there's a couple of holes in there, but. Well, there, there, there's the back end of uh, they are building a new PGA of America headquarters in the San Francisco mm-hmm. area, which right. is going to be a tremendous facility. And I know they've pegged that location for and, a future date. 2025 has not been decided, but they've got sites, you know, 23, 24, 26, 27, 28, 29, 31, 34 is going to be at that new place in Frisco, Texas. And they want to go to Southern Hills, which is mm-hmm. the yep. you know down in, and I've been to a, a, um, a tournament there before. I can't remember. It was the U.S. Open, in and it was like <laughs> the most ridiculously hot place I've ever been. So if you yeah. go there on a nice golf course when it's a little more temperate, yeah, yeah it'd be great. Do you think we'll ever see a major championship in the desert? And if it is, it would be the PGA. Do you think we'll ever see a desert uh, major? Doubtful. I don't think we will. Doubtful. No, I don't think so either. Think interesting, so either. though. Be, would it would be, be. It would be because it's just never happened. Florida makes sense for me. Yeah. One good. thing I am curious with the PGA, and, you know, obviously, you know, the, the Masters is known for its history, the Open Championship, the conditions, the U.S. Open gen- generally, you know, a great test of golf. The PGA sort of doesn't have this. There's I, no identity. There's no identity. Yeah. What if you were to always, obviously you can't do this in t- past 2034, 20, but what if you were to always have it somewhere you know, in the Pacific time zone where you're always playing golf in prime time for the PGA. Could maybe that be some sort of an identity at just something different? I don't know. Just, yeah, prime time golf. You know, it's a it's a hard struggle. That's a tough one, too, because now you're really narrowing your, for sure. your, that, that your is, yeah. opportunities of where you can put it. I don't know if they could plus, ever pitch Plus, in. you battle sometimes with the U.S. Open into, into markets that are close enough where you're selling against each other. Right. You know, they they talk to each other. They, they look where they, everyone mm-hmm. else is going. They look at what other big events are going around there. And to me, you know, if you could ever get something in the Pacific Northwest that was not Chambers Bay, that was a decent golf course, you could own that. Well, let me throw one at you then here. This has just popped into my head. And uh, and to Scully's point with identity. Uh, U.S. Open has a rota, and it moves around the country because it's a national championship. The the Open Championship has a rota because it's an Open Championship, and in their mind, a global championship. So it moves around the U.K. Okay, The Masters is run by a private club founded by Bobby Jones, and it stays there in the same place every year. Does the PGA of America need to have a rota? Can the PGA of America, if they're building this facility, which would be in prime time because it's in San Francisco, and if this facility is as good as what they say it's going to be, let's say it opens to rave reviews, 
let's say everyone falls in love with this new resort, this new home of the PGA of America in San Francisco, which is pegged to host in the next 10 years or so, is as good as what they say. Does the PGA Championship need to move around? Or can they host a major every year, like the Masters, at the home of the PGA? You could, but I think you'd take yourself out of a lot of a lot of markets. And yeah. I think, you know, the one thing that the PGA has talked about, loosely, I'll, I'll I, admit, is maybe going international. I've heard this. Go outside of the United States, really? right? Yeah, because yeah, it's a PGA Asia. federation, imagine a P- right? Imagine a PGA championship in uh, Tokyo. Right. Or somewhere like that. Like right. that would be kind of an interesting be fascinating. Concept. Well, if you want to find identity, Bob, that's a perfect way to do it because there's the Federation of PGA uh associations. Yeah. And make your the make your major the only major that is continental jumping major. Like there's really jumping continents, countries, etc. and and tipping your hat to other federations. Gotta be careful with the TV time slot. You need that yeah. American TV time slot. So you got to be careful how far you go and when you go. So that's part of it. It's interesting there. But, hey, you want to look for identity. You want to look for flavor. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, 100%. But that'd be fascinating just thinking about that in Tokyo or <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I will say before, I know we're running out of time, but one of the stranger moments I did see at this year's PGA, it happened with John Rahm, and it happened on, on the Friday, and uh, Dustin Johnson was lining up a shot. And all you see – at the back of of the camera frame was John Rahm running through the shot, going by a tree, mm-hmm. and needing to uh, to do some business. And yep. I I don't recall ever seeing that. One of the more more bizarre images of 2019. Certainly. Yeah, that was yeah, one of the weirder exactly. things I think I've ever seen on a on a telecast. It was bizarre. On the other side, Skulls, we're going to take a look at the U.S. Open. Gary Woodland, a guy that Bob and I have been pegging for a dark horse at a major for many, many years, including this year's PGA. And we went off of Woodland for the U.S. Open because it wasn't a Woodland setup. And he got us both, Bob. He got us both at Pebble. We'll talk U.S. Open next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Acura, was brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Only 30 minutes from downtown Toronto, with flexible membership packages and one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Cedar Bray is the place to be. Visit cedarbraygolf.com for more information. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Addy Power Forged. Increase stability exactly where you need it. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our Open Championship preview special here on the back nine. Uh, coming up next, we're going to get you caught up with uh, 20 Weeks TaylorMade. Golf Talk Canada schedule here on radio and television, as well as tell us your Bushnell story. We'll also give you our pick and dark horse. I wonder if we got our pick and our dark horse actually on our draft team, because I'm not so sure that I got my favorite. Ooh. If I, 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 in fact, I'll tell you right now, I don't have my pick on my, <laughs> on my team, and I don't have my dark horse because yeah. he was too far down my dark horse to put him on a draft team. But we'll get into that coming up next. But before we uh, get back to the Open Championship, we'll finish our recap of the majors so far and. Uh, you know, uh, for me, when the U.S. Open visits Pebble Beach, 
It's similar to when the Open Championship for me visits St. Andrews. It's a special place. It means more. You know, Nicholas won at Pebble. Tiger won at Pebble. Uh, it might be the prettiest uh, place in the world for golf. It's certainly up there, and it's certainly the pretty, maybe the prettiest spot in North America. And Gary Woodland, Bob, finally, <laughs> finally, the time that you and I don't take him, gets it done at a golf course that uh, there really wasn't a Woodland setup, really. I don't, you know, I don't think, uh, let's put it this way, Pebble Beach was open for anyone to win. Yep. And the, maybe the best player that week took advantage of it, and he looked like he was in a coma for four days. You know, it's it, like you said, it's one of those things we've been waiting for for a long time. And I remember two years ago at the Open Championship talking to Gary Woodland about how he was so frustrated with his putting that he took a mid-tournament putting lesson from Phil Canyon. And ever since then, he's kind of worked on rounding out his game. We knew he was a big hitter. We knew he could drive it in the fairway. But I think once he kind of committed to saying, okay, I got I got to pull everything together and I got to believe in myself – which is a lot, it's a simple thing. It's that we always say that. Oh, you, gotta gotta believe, yourself, you, gotta, you can say it, but it has to be internalized. Yeah, and I think once you got over that part, I think that was the big difference for Gary Woodland. And it was fun to watch him play. It was fun to see him and uh, Brandon Little, our good pal, um, kind of combine along, the, along the, the final stretch there and that 14th hole where he pulled the three wood at, at, at Brandon's urging. Um, you know, those kind of things to me are, are set the difference. And again, it's just one of those nice guys. You like to see a guy like Gary Woodland win because he's done, gone through so much personally, mm-hmm. and also he's just he's just a, a friendly guy. You just like to see him. Yeah. Your friends it's win. A great, he's a, what he's been through. People love him on tour. It's great. It's funny because uh, Adam and I, you know, we played golf uh, in the last couple of weeks. We played golf together, and there was a few occasions, Adam, where uh, we were on the green at Cedar Bray, but we were on the wrong side of the green. We had a little fringe and a little rough interfering with our line between our ball and the flag. Yep. And we both said to each other a couple times in one day, oh, we might have to Gary Woodland this, which is now known <laughs> as the, 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 the pitch Woodland. from the green will always yes. be the Gary Woodland. Well, and, and pretty wild, too, that he had the shot earlier in the week as well. And, and you know, to have the stones to pull that off under pressure and to nearly hold the shot. Yeah. And just the, the difficulty of how, how crisp you have to hit that shot, it was... Just an unbelievable shot under pressure. Certainly one of our shots of the year for sure. He too. actually said that when he was learning and practicing his short game with Pete Cowan, he said that Pete had him doing that as a drill to try and pick the ball clean with his wedges just to work on contact. So he said it wasn't something that was unusual to him. And then again, there again, you know, preparation is uh, makes makes all the sense in the world when you get a shot like that. Fascinating. Uh, other than uh, Gary Woodland's performance, other than Brooks Kepka. Again, having a chance to win a major championship, other than Tiger Woods looking completely unprepared again. And these are themes, like that's a theme. The two themes of the majors for me this year Kapka has a chance to win everything mm-hmm. if he cares. And Tiger's been completely unprepared since he won a green jacket. Like, you couldn't find two polar opposites of how you get ready for a major. Kapka is so finely tuned with how he gets ready for a major championship, the extra time involved, the team in place who he brings to a major, how they approach it. He's got a system on how he approaches majors that is a little overwhelming. I think it's a little overwhelming to the point that he can only do it three, four, five times a year, or it becomes too much, but it works for him. Tiger, since Augusta, the complete opposite. It's like how not to get ready for a major championship or how not to necessarily, I don't want to say care, I hate to use the word care, but it feels that way. Other than those two themes throughout the year, and other than those two themes clashing once again at the U.S. Open, for me, I'll remember the U.S. Open as a success for Fox, 
television. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, it was a good broadcast, a clean broadcast, huge improvements. And I, I know Fox is always trying different things like microphones in the cup. And they've tried crazy things over the years. But the drone footage of seeing those majestic holes along the cliffs of Pebble Beach from all those new angles to me. I mean, I love them. I went, wow, I've never seen the seventh, the, the, the greatest short par three in the world probably. You know, you go, uh, to me it's number one. You go, obviously, uh, 12 at Augusta, postage stamp, mm-hmm. uh, 17 at Sawgrass. Those are probably the four greatest short par fours in the world. I've never seen the seventh, Bob, from behind, over the player's head. And we got to see all the great cliffside holes. And I know Scully... You were the first person out of the three of us to go, wow, this is a win for Fox. Well, I, I really believe it's the best broadcast I've seen all year. I, from I really, any golf. From any, from any golf, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, one of the other things was their moving pro tracer technology as well. It was only on a couple holes, and I believe it was the sixth hole, the par five, where the camera would actually move and you could see the ball flight in the air at the same time. Uh, the, the mics in the cup, that was another really cool thing, especially because you could hear the players, whether they were just grunting or maybe the odd swear word here or there or you know just a couple of words of wisdom it was just pretty funny to see and and you mentioned the mics and there are more microphones in the golf course and that goes to the the infamous now uh spieth and greller spat (laughs) you know going back and forth and how jordan was calling out greller for saying you know he had two good shots he put me in the water here and over the green there you know not like jordan hasn't won on that golf course before hasn't played it a million times but the fox broadcast did an excellent job I think so too, Bob. Do you feel? I know you didn't get this. Did you get to see much of it? Because you're in a you different environment see, at that point. Than, you got to see a lot. You didn't get to hear a lot of it. To right. be perfectly honest right. with you, but I will say that you know what's what stuns stuns me was, it's the that's the fifth that's the fifth year that Fox has been on there. Yeah. It's I, I thought, man, it's like maybe the third or something. But mm. they've really improved their game. For sure, they've stepped it up. It's made it fun to watch. Made it different to watch. I'm not a big fan of the mics in the cups because when a ball drops into the hole, it sounds like <laughs> sounds like it's dropping into the middle of my head. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm but some not of the either. stuff they picked up, and not the other one they picked up with, with Jordan Spieth was when he hit the rake. Oh yeah, sort of yeah, the bunker, yeah. Oh, there's know, a rake kind, there. Kind of things, yeah. right. and there were some good conversations between uh, caddies and players that I think uh, make it a little more. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like to me reminds me of curling, which which really blossomed when they put the microphones on the players, and you could get an inside. Um, thought of what they were thinking about, what they were planning to do before they did it. Same mm-hmm. sort of thing. In this vein, Bob, in the same vein as to the win for Fox, I think, you know, I, I have to give a win to the USGA. USGA got out of the way. And uh, listen, they let uh, Mother Nature do a lot of the work here. And I know some people were critical, which, you know, you're always going to have those people, oh, the score was too low for US Open. Listen, that course was set up properly. USGA got out of the way. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot. The sun comes out at Pebble, and the winds get up. That score gets cut in half, maybe more. So I think the USGA, a big win, great job. I'd love to see more of what we just saw, about. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, we talked about all these courses that are getting ripped apart. Pebble Beach is not a long golf course, for mm-hmm. sure. And yet, if you look on Sunday, um, you know, how many guys broke par? Not very many guys broke par, and you know, a lot of guys backed up. Uh, on that leaderboard, with the exception, obviously, Gary Woodland, but but he only shot two under on the to win, you know. So it's it's uh, it proved a good test, fun I, test. I agree. Yeah, I it, agree. It was, it was awesome to see us not complaining, you know, about the USGA. How it's it's been a focal point for you know the years on the show, just about how how they've messed up another core setup. But this was just perfect, yeah. you know. And I, yeah, it, the scores might have been a little low, but you know, it's the same thing. Nobody's 
Nobody's talking about, oh, well, the scores were too low, though, right? Yeah, ex- no, exactly, no, exactly. Won, and it was close. It's it was the fun. same thing, you know, like Aaron Hill is a, a, right. allegedly, if the wind blew, you know, the scores would have been, you know, half or much less of that, but and, it was a great time. And like the PGA Championship, the next few years of the U.S. Open and their venues are very traditional and putting themselves in a really good position to continue this trend of successes. Next year we'll go to Wingfoot, which is, an, you know, after Pebble, you know, that might be the, the the most historic U.S. Open venue. Like, you go, okay, Pebble, and then where do you go next? Maybe Wingfoot, Shinnecock. If you're thinking of the Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of U.S. Open golf, it's probably Pebble Beach, Wingfoot, Shinnecock, and Oakmont. Yeah. I got to think, in my mind, those yep. are the four mm-hmm. Mount Everest of U.S. Open golf. We'll go to Wingfoot next year, and we'll go to Wingfoot, guys, a week after the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's. Toronto to New York. I think we had Major a huge win. success <laughs> at Hamilton this year. I think we're having another one next year for the RBC. Yeah, 100%. What do you guys say? Good one oh. next year coming? I think so, too. Could be big. Could be could, huge. Could be awesome. All right, on the other side, going to get you caught up. we got lots happening here at Golf Talk Canada. So scheduling changes or scheduling uh, updates, uh, Bushnell contests, tailor-made contests, so much to get to. Also, uh, uh, recap our draft teams. Yep. And I, some of us may not have our picks. On our draft team. So we will give you who we think is going to win. Uh, favorite, Dark Horse, coming from Scully, Weeks, Zucchino. Golf Talk Canada, Open Championship Preview Special. One more segment to go. This is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Addy Power Forged. Increased stability exactly where you need it. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada as we wrap up our Open Championship Preview Special. Just a few notes. This time next week, we will be running a repeat of our Open Championship Preview Special. Uh, because the Open Championship will be having live coverage on TSN on Saturday and Sunday. So we assume that the Golf Talk Canada universe is going to be watching the Open Championship. And if you can't watch it, you're going to be listening to the radio coverage. Uh, So we're sorry. We're going to take that week off, and we'll come back with a live episode on uh, July 27th of Golf Talk Canada Radio. Also, on the Monday evening, if you are in the TSN 1050 and 1150 universe here in Southern Ontario, you can hear a repeat. If you missed hour one of our Open Championship preview special, you can hear it again on the Monday evening in prime time file following overdrive with our friends there. We know the O-Dog, huge golf fan, so mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, we'll be following the O-Dog and, the, and Hayes and Noodles on overdrive. So uh, a repeat of this show. Open Championship Preview Special. We have a 60-minute Open Championship Preview Special on Golf Talk Canada. And then another 60-minute uh, Golf Talk Canada Recap Special of the Over- Open Championship. Of course, Weeksy and Scully will be in Ireland. Uh, yours truly in the studios here at 
TSN. Tell us your Bushnell story. That will continue on July the 27th when we come back for our next live radio program. We will give away a Bushnell hybrid, and that's the device that gives you that great laser technology that Bushnell has in all their gear, but it also gives you the GPS window, thus the hybrid. So if you want something general or you want something exact, the hybrid device gives it to you. How do you win this device? Very simple. Tweet us or follow us or hit us up on Instagram. With your story, your Bushnell story, at Bushnell Golf, at Golf Talk Canada, send us your pics, your stories, your videos, anything goes of how you may use or do use a Bushnell to play your best golf. Anything goes. We just want you to engage. Tell us how you maybe take on a Nemesis Hole, a golf course, etc. You've got a pic, you've got a video, you've got a story, at Bushnell Golf, at Golf Talk Canada. Tell us your Bushnell story. If you do it, you have a chance to win. July the 27th, we're also going to give away custom fittings coast-to-coast. We ran this contest in July. Custom fitting at TaylorMade. We're going to give it away coast-to-coast at all your TaylorMade facilities. Uh, We asked you uh, to retweet an image back in June. We'll let you know who those winners are on July the 27th. Also, 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the summer. We still have a half a dozen weeks or so to go. Grand prize. Custom set of TaylorMade, top to bottom, through the bag of TaylorMade golf equipment. The only way you can win is if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Golf Talk Canada. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Golf Talk Canada. You already do so. You're in. 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues. No leaderboard updates, of course, this week. So we always want to give a shout-out to our friends at Oshawa Golf Club. OshawaGolf.com. OshawaGolf.com. The home of golf in Durham. Check them out. They've got a lot of options for membership. And, of course, giving away, excuse me, not giving away, giving options for a trial membership this year that gives you free access, total access. You are like an equity member. You are like a full-time member for the year if you give a trial membership at Oshawa Golf. Okay, I'm going to catch my breath. <laughs> I was going to say. And Weeks, he's going to give us a recap yeah. of who we have on our teams. All right, so the uh, the categories, uh, first of all, the first category, we had to take a past champion. Adam took Rory McIlroy. I took Louis Oosthuizen. Mark took Brooks Kepka. For our Euros. Past champion Brooks Kepka? No, no, no. We, we could go anywhere Adam, we want. Exactly. Excuse me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was our first round. was Francesco Molinari. That's right. There you go. There you go. go. Okay. All your good. Euro. Uh, Adam took Tommy Fleetwood. I took Justin Rose. And to no one's surprise, Mark took Sergio Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> Your American, uh, Adam took Xander Shoffley. Uh, I took Dustin Johnson. And you took Brooks Kepka. There, there we go. You have Brooks Kepka. There we are. Got a straight note. International player, Jason Day, is on Adam, ha- on Adam Hadwin's team, on Adam Scully's team. My team uh, is uh, Adam Hadwin and Adam Scott for Mark. A lot of and Adams there. Finally, the uh, the wild card. Uh, we'll go backwards here. Mark took uh, Bryson DeChambeau. I took Matt Wallace, and Adam took Matt Kuchar. There you go. Those are the draft teams. And of course, remember, if one of your picks misses the cut, we got to double it double up. Score. You miss the cut at five over, you're ten over. All right, guys, we got about three minutes left. I. I want your favorite. I want your pick. You might have them on your team. I want your dark horse. So I'm going to be honest with you. I have no pick. I've got no clue. I really do. I have no clue. So I'm going to give you two dark horses, neither of which are on my team, but two guys are going to have some dough on. One's an emotional one, and one I don't even like. I'm not the biggest fan of the guy, but I think Uh he's going to have a good tournament. Are you picking Bubba? Ian Poulter. Wow. Is 80-1. to And has not had the greatest year, but not had a bad year either. 
kind of creeping around, decent first early in the year. I think he likes this style of golf. Ian Poulter, Dark Horse at 80-1. to And how do you not just put a little emotional equity into Graham McDowell at at, at Royal Portrush? How do you not? How do you not a course that, you know, he grew up on the other course here at Royal Portrush, the the non-championship, the non-open championship course he grew up on and has had an opportunity to play this golf tournament a gazillion times and qualified for the Open Championship via the RBC Canadian Open with a night was a 1920-foot clutch par effort on the 72nd hole to punch his ticket to Royal Portrush. And I know he was there to win the RBC Canadian Open and kept it very hush-hush. With that fist pump on the last hole, you knew, he knew he was going to Portrush. Go G-Mac. I think what a great story that would be. Okay, Bob, do you have your pick? Do you have your favorite? If not, who is it? I do. And give me your dark horse. I have. Uh, I don't have my favorite on my team. My favorite is still Rory McIlroy okay. for all the reasons you mentioned about Graham mm-hmm. McDowell. Okay. Grew up here, mm-hmm. playing great golf, uh, has so much passion for this golf course and this area. Just a question of, as Adam mentioned a little bit earlier, was whether he can handle all the stuff that's going on outside the ropes. Mm-hmm. And my dark horse, I want to tell you this guy's, this guy's last four starts. Tied for fifth, tied for third, a win, and a tie for third. Jazz, Jenna, what? No, no, no. Wow. So I'm way out of the limb with Jazzy, the Jazzy man. So he's been playing well over on his uh, Korean tour and in, in, over in Asia. So uh, look out for Jazz. For any of my friends that are working the radio coverage the, for the Open Championship uh, that are going to make their way open for Open Championship Radio, I, I hope uh, Bob's wrong for your sake because I know how uh, you stumble yeah, with that name for four exactly. days. So there it goes. Scully's is, to is you. Is there enough room in the Claret Jug to, <laughs> yeah. to engrave that <laughs> name in there? Um, so my winner is Tommy... Fleetwood. Ooh, baby! Tommy. Don't have him on your team? No, no, I do. You he's, do? He's, okay, he's my good. European. He's good. my yes, European. Yes, that's right. He was, big. sorry. And my dark horse uh, is a guy who had a few too many cocktails before the final round of last year's uh. Open Championship, finished T6. That is Eddie Pepperell. Nice. He's had you some injury what? issues, but he's coming back. A good finish at the Irish Open. I like Eddie Pepperell. Love both those picks. Love all your picks. Jeez, what do I know? Absolutely. <laughs> Very little this year, apparently. So, guys, uh, safe travels to both of you. Thank you. And I love Ireland. One of my favorite places in the world. My favorite place in the world to play golf and one of my favorite countries in the world. And uh, I hope you guys have a great time. So, safe travels and uh, have a blast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, TSN has your weekend coverage of the Open Championship Saturday and Sunday for the year's final major. And Golf Talk Canada TV is all over it with 60-minute previews and 60-minute wrap-ups. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, podcasts, show archives, our YouTube channel, or for more information, visit us online at GolfTalkCanada.com.